Okay. Sorry about that, everybody. Hello. Uh, I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. The AI is not here, and I'm going to go through all 10 of the articles. Uh, it is uh, Omtown Daily Season 3, Episode 2 for January uh, 2nd, 2024. My show notes still say 2023. Uh, tonight's articles are Glamping by Proxy, Sony Projector Fail, First Train Derailment of 2024, Slay the Spire Mod Hacked, Mob Washed, Nine uh, Planned King Movies, Steamboat Willie Horror Game, Insulin Price Caps Start, and uh, Mickey Mouse Horror Movies and Horror Game. We talk about the horror game a little bit earlier, but um, I want to talk about the movies. And Let Us Consume Mass Quantities. Uh, that and maybe a little snark. I don't know. I'm... Uh, I'm feeling rushed because I was supposed to start at eight o'clock, but it's nine 12 <laughs> on the East coast. Um, and I have uh, more work to do immediately after the show. So let's get into, it's already a minute and a half into this um, show. So I'm not to rush all of you, uh, but I want to respect your time and, um, you know, provide a, a fun show. So let's get into today's articles. I don't know if that echoed through. I don't have my uh, uh, in-ear monitors um, in right now. So I'm just talking into the mic uh, open and uh, we'll just, you know, let's just get into it. I'm, I'm having fun with this. So let's go. Uh, the first article in hometown daily is a couple paid $80,000 after being told that their son was kidnapped. Their teen son was kidnapped and he was actually found living in a tent outside Salt Lake City, police said. Uh, that was weird. I called this one uh, glamping by proxy. Um, I'm not sure the context of this, so let's see what the article says. An exchange student in Utah was tricked into living alone in a tent in freezing temperatures. Kai Shuang, I guess? Um, is uh, 17, was told by scammers his parents would be in danger if he didn't follow instructions. Wild. His parents later paid $80,000 in ransom after being told Shuang, I think it's Shuang. Um, I might be mispronouncing that, but hey. Um, anyway, they were... Uh, they paid $80,000 in ransom after being told that the kid was uh, kidnapped. And it says here, and... <laughs> I don't know, kind of a, a weird summary. A Chinese couple was scammed out of $80,000 after being told that their son was kidnapped during his student exchange program in Utah. Talk about being targeted. My goodness. The article is by Matthew Lowe over at Business Insider. Believed to be kidnapped, uh, a victim of cyber kidnapping scam, apparently. I wonder how this happened. So they told him, hey, your parents are going to be harmed if you don't camp here. And then they contacted the family and said, we've got your kid. Give us $80,000. Um, and the kid was found, in fact, camping alone outside Salt Lake City in freezing temperatures at the ransomer's instruction, the Riverdale Police Department said in a statement. Probably the oddest thing that I have heard. Hopefully this isn't actually popular. 
The cyber kidnappers continue to extort the family by using fear tactics, photos, and voice recordings of the victim, leading the family to believe the kidnappers are with the victim, causing them harm. So were they actually, the criminals then send the photos to the victim's family with a ransom note, but there you go. That's what it is. So all of this is done via, um, I like, um, it, some type of tech. This should be in reality hacker for crying out loud. The person was never in direct contact with the like physical contact with kidnappers wasn't actually kidnapped. It relies on, um, I guess a lack of street smarts, you know, don't, don't trust this verify trust, but verify. How about that? Um, find some way to get in contact with uh, the parents or something like that. It's, it's very weird. It's really weird. Police in Provo, Utah. I'm oh, sorry. It was in Utah, but police in Provo, a city uh, to the South of Salt Lake city found Zhuang, uh, carrying camping equipment that day. The officers didn't know Zhuang was under duress and took him back to his host family. The police said, but he left the host family again shortly after. And on Thursday, his parents in China contacted his school saying they had received a ransom note. So all of this took place. Seems like an insider kind of a job, right? Like people in China had to know that this person was an exchange student and um, manipulate the the kid and the, uh, the family. So I wonder... Um, I really wonder if there might've been an inside job here. It says there's no evidence that Zhang was forcefully taken from his home and he was cleared of any medical concerns. Both requests were fulfilled because Zhang asked only for two things to speak to his family and to eat a warm cheeseburger. Both requests were fulfilled and Zhang was, uh, escorted to the police department. So it's referred to as virtual kidnapping or cyber kidnapping. The callers would impersonate cartel soldiers or corrupt police officers and claim that they abducted a loved one or a family member and then demand ransom and then contact the other people and force them to do certain things that allowed them to remotely manipulate the data so that you could, or they could, um, appear as if they're holding you as a hostage. So weird. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of work. Dedicate your time, folks, to uh, <laughs> doing good things. All that energy spent on doing something horrendous like this. You sociopaths. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Hometown Daily. Alamo Drafthouse blames nationwide theater outage on Sony projector fail. It says, sorry, everyone. Sony is having issues with the projectors that is preventing us from being able to project movies at some of our theaters today. That's what theater chain Alamo Drafthouse posted to social media sites on New Year's Eve, adding that it was closing five theaters entirely for the rest of the day as a result. As the new, I guess they have that whole have to be connected to the internet to license the goods kind of a thing. Oh, I don't know why we put up with that crap. So the article is over at The Verge. Sean Hollister is the author. Did I say who the, yeah, I did. Um, let me throw this into the chat so you can check it out if you are oh so motivated. And uh, let's go over to the article itself. Um, this is over at The Verge. Sean Hollister is the author. The outage appears to be short-lived, but we're still waiting on comment. 
um, a sign posted say, saying that due to a nationwide technical difficulties with Sony, we aren't able to play any titles today. Yeah, this is kind of just crap. <laughs> um, it's like games that you download that have to be connected to the internet for no discernible reason. Um, just to ping home for something like um, loot when you eliminate something. Um, uh, it just pisses me off because I come from a day and age where the software was the server itself. You could play it on local. You could play it um, across the net if so motivated. And it never had to ping home to authorize any of this. Um, it's very frustrating, but, you know, old man, get off my land kind of a thing. It says it's not clear what happened as New Year's Day is a holiday. We somewhat understandably haven't been able to reach Alamo or Sony spokespeople and not every theater or every screening was affected. That didn't stop Alamo from blaming its Sony projectors for what at least one theater called a nationwide outage. However, um, yeah, and they posted it on social media. So what might have only affected some screenings at some theaters, the author has some speculation on Reddit that it may have something to do with the expired digital certificates used to unlock encrypted films, but we haven't heard from Alamo or Sony. And that's kind of what I said at the beginning of this, they have to reach out, verify the digital certificate or the license that allows the um, player to actually play the encrypted data. Um, we have similar things with um, HDMI cables. If they're not the right quality, then it doesn't uh, unlock because there's no, a connection from device to device that allows it to play. Um, it prevents duplication of media in transit. Yeah, pretty frustrating. Um, this is why people pirate. So let's keep on going though. This next article is over in hometown daily train derails and catches fire near San Francisco, causing minor injuries. Um, this is the first train derailment of 2024 that hometown um, has aggregated. As far as I know, um, it certainly seems that we're going to be on track for <laughs> this is just the first one, though. It actually happened on New Year's Day. Um, and uh, if if this is any uh, indicator, who knows how many we're going to have? Let's just say that it's going to happen once a day. So only 365 days left or 364 days left for um, train derailments. But we know from the historical record that there's probably going to be around 2,500 of them. Let's see what happens. The article was posted by the Associated Press over at abcnews.go.com. Officials say several people suffered minor injuries and service was disrupted when a train derailed and caught fire on New Year's Day in, San Francisco, in the San Francisco Bay Area. The San Francisco Bay Area. Um, Orinda, California, that's where this is being reported from. The Bay area rapid transit train had just left Orinda on its way to Lafayette around 9 AM Monday when the two front cars went off the track, all passengers were evacuated. Fire crews quickly, uh, extinguished the flames. And, uh, let's see here a few loud pops. Saw smoke billowing out between the cars. They were, um, another person was sitting right there at the window and saw the flames shoot up. That's disconcerting. 
Let's see. Service was discontinued on the 12 mile stretch of rail between Rock Ridge, Rock Ridge and Walnut Creek. Is that where um, Blazing Saddles took place between Rock Ridge and Walnut Creek? Mm, going to have to look that up. Interesting. So it says it's un- it's uh, certainly unfortunate people were stranded on a holiday like this, he said. Um, who is this? <laughs> Let me look it up real quick. They just say Allison here, so but that's a person, um, last name, I believe. <laughs> Jim Allison. Okay. Yeah. Certainly unfortunate people were stranded on a holiday. How about the people that were hurt? Certainly sucks that people were hurt even with minor injuries, but that's okay. Let's keep going. Uh, this is the first of probably many, uh, I'll, I won't be highlighting every train deal derailment, but, um, like I said earlier, there's probably going to be somewhere around 2,500 in the United States alone. Um, and we have a ever decreasing and consolidated number of trains, um, and owners, So who knows if anything will change. Maybe it'll just go, it'll decline because more and more uh, trains are put out to pasture, so to speak. Okay, let's keep on going. Uh, This next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. Popular Slay the Spire mod hacked to deliver malware on Christmas Day. So Merry Christmas, everybody. A popular Slay the Spire mod called Downfall was compromised over the holidays and used to push malware to users via a Steam update. The malware in question is called Epsilon and is used to steal information from infected hardware and was present in the standalone version of the mod on Steam for around an hour on Christmas Day. I think that Steam is going to have to implement some virus checking before it gets deployed. Um, the attackers compromised one of the mods developers accounts, uh, steam and discord accounts following access or allowing access to the mod steam account. The Epsilon malware is frequently used on discord, often packaged with a game executable and once installed runs in the background. The article was posted over at pcgamer.com. Let me, yeah, I didn't do it. Let me throw this into the chat so y'all can go and check it out if you are Osu motivated. And uh, Rich Stanton is the author. I don't know how popular Slay the Spire is at this point, but um, I like drawing attention to the fact that sometimes these mods and other um, side-loaded information can be compromised. Things like CurseForge have been compromised before. Uh, and it's largely because there isn't enough protections in place. And uh, sometimes it could be a developer account that gets compromised either because somebody messed up. Well, it's always because somebody messed up. It's kind of like the, uh, you know, they say 30% of all accidents are caused by excessive speed. And my response is, how slow do you have to be going to avoid an accident? Well, you have to be stopped. So 100% of all accidents are caused by somebody's excessive speed because otherwise you'd just be sitting there. So again, the article is over at pcgamer.com. Rich Stanton is the author. It says, get on the naughty list. The Slay the Spire mod called Downfall was compromised and delivered for about an hour to users on Steam if you downloaded that mod, apparently. 
Um, the attackers compromised one of the mod accounts. Um, let's see if they go into any greater detail. I'm pretty sure that they've notified all of the people. Um, but it says the main concern is over users who saw a Unity library installer pop up. So if you saw, <laughs> and then Unity gets dragged into it too. So, uh, sucks pretty bad there. Um, but it could be worse. You know, this thing could have been live for months. Typical breaches are unknown for about 18 months. And uh, then it could be a considerable amount of time until a solution is found. So you got to take precautions, folks. Don't just click on random stuff. Let's keep on going, though. Next article. Uh, the next article is over in the Continuity Report Power Wash Simulator, How to Play with Friends, a multiplayer guide. I own this. I don't really play it all that often. Um, it's uh, It falls in this uh, category of chore core. It says it's always nice to have an extra hand or two while, when cleaning up in Power Wash Simulator, and luckily players can now invite their friends to help them tackle the biggest game, uh, the game's biggest jobs. Cross-platform co-play or co-op play um, is available in the career bonus and free play modes, so your friends can chip in and help you run your fledgling power washing business. That would be great. <laughs> this is probably more fun when it's multiple people. Um, you could actually treat it kind of like a, a business um, with all of your your friends. So this becomes meta chore core when everybody else is doing work with you. Um, and somebody can be the foreman and just stand there, you know, do it in VR. And it's a, a serious blast. I think, um, the articles over at screen rant, Kelly Beard is the author. Uh, let's see here. Every job in power wash simulator can be tackled in single player, but even seemingly simple jobs such as cleaning a playground can involve tracking down tough to reach spots where dirt and muck build up. Later, the game features extremely odd gigs, such as cleaning a secret hatch on the surface of Mars, and some of the jobs can be truly gigantic in scale. Playing with friends in co-op makes for faster, more efficient cleaning. Yeah, this looks like fun. Um, I wonder if you can do the the um, SpongeBob SquarePants one in there. To join a, a platform game, you go through these steps, and that's why I actually... Um, wanted to highlight this because it shows you exactly how to do it. So the link will be over in uh, the VOD and over in uh, the show notes over on YouTube and the podcast will have them as well. So go and check it all out. Um, I like co-op games um, more than like PVP, um, but I play a little bit of everything. So who knows? Maybe in the coming months I'll be able to play more often. You just never knew. Right now, all I do is the news, though. So, okay. Uh, the next article is over in the Continuity Report. Nine planned Stephen King movies that still haven't happened and whether they ever will. Uh, I did not know that there are nine more planned movies. Uh, <laughs> Stephen King is a prolific writer. 
Um, has dozens of movies and TV shows adapted from his books and short stories, making him the most adapted author alive. He is quickly catching up to the next most prolific author to be adapted, uh, Agatha Christie, which basically is a whole bunch of uh, books that are uh, adapted into um, movies in cans or uh, TV shows where each episode is in a can. It's quite fascinating. Um, I would probably say that, um, uh, who is it? The author of Reacher, um, is probably going to end up in that same vein of Stephen King and Agatha Christie prolific because there's 31 books just in the Reacher series. Um, I can imagine, uh, if the framework is there and ghostwriters and other people work to augment what's already there, there could be some spectacular world building. Um, Reacher is basically, uh, I think just this epic vehicle for world building and we only have two seasons so far. And I already think that there's so much more, um, behind these two and they're not even the, the two seasons aren't even the two, um, in sequence in the 31 novels in, um, the Reacher series. So, uh, Lee is the author. So let's look at this list. It's over at Screen Rant again. Ben Gibbons is the author. He always looks like he's like judging you. Like, mm, you're an a-hole, aren't you? Yeah, I think you are. Let me check something real quick. All right. So um, Stephen King's fantasy novel, The Eyes of the Dragon, has been optioned multiple times for adaptation, but budgetary concerns have canceled recent plans for a TV series. The long walk, one of King's early novels has been rumored for uh, adaptation since 1988, but it's now receiving promising updates with Francis Lawrence as director and Lionsgate involvement. Uh, while Stephen King's novel Joyland received offers for adaptation into a series, no official updates have been announced, suggesting it may not be adapted anytime soon. Um, it's weird. I don't know how this works. How a book gets turned into a movie um, through this adaptation, but it says like offers for adaptation. How does everybody know about this? <laughs> Uh, I'm just not in that loop, so I know just a little bit about it and not knowing enough to actually have a discussion about that aspect of it makes me want to go down the rabbit hole. So um, I find it pretty fascinating all the same. Um, let's see. It says number nine here is Eyes of the Dragon, published in 1984. These are all uh, movies, uh, books that uh, may or may not be turned into movies. Um, but which ones are interesting to you? Come back tomorrow and uh, let's have a discussion. Uh, if uh, people show up and, and want to talk about it in chat, then we can talk about it a little bit. Um, but I won't go through all of these because part of this is to kind of coax you into going over to Screen Rant and um, reading the rest of this. Uh, but I'm going to tease you with these uh, possible film and TV right um, options. And maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to talk about him over at uh, the Continuity Report. I think this would be a great one for the Continuity Report. So Eyes of the Dragon, um, The Long Walk, Joyland, Revival, 
road work. Anybody that's on the cover of a, this is like the opposite of a romantic, uh, one of those uh, romance books, you know, the, the ones where they're on the, on a deck of a ship with uh, wispy hairs and wispy chest hairs and everybody's swooning. This is the run for your life. Crazy guy with a shotgun. This is a rifle though. So anyway, the regulators, the girl who loved Tom Gordon from a Buick eight. Wait a minute. Oh, you know what? I'm going to have to talk about something else beyond this, but not today. I think I'm going to save this, um, discussion for the continuity report, um, on Sunday. So Duma key is, uh, the, uh, number one in this list follows an elderly man. And I'll tease you with this one. Uh, Duma key is, um, it follows an elderly man who suffers a terrible injury that prevents him from working at his manual labor job. Pardon me one second. Um, as his life begins to fall apart, he's encouraged to take up his hobby of art and move to a quiet retirement island of Duma Key, Florida. Supernatural events begin to occur around him and his drawings and the mystery thickens as the novel unfolds. Duma Key has had multiple rumors circulate about the project being adapted and even names attached to uh, direct, but nothing reputable or recent. So rumor mill churns as does my stomach. You know what? Ever since, um, who was it today in their stream? Hmm. Bald zebra. BZ mentioned sushi. I've been craving sushi. Uh, the moment that he said this, if you've never heard of Bald Zebra, go over to baldzebra.com, uh, not baldzebra.com, go to twitch.tv uh, slash baldzebra and um, follow him. Great guy. Um, yeah, uh, just very chill stream and uh, doesn't get too crazy. Um, even in times of, um, like high energy and stuff like that. And he's just a great guy. Uh, but the moment that he mentioned sushi today, I actually could smell and taste soy sauce. Um, and I didn't get out of here in time, uh, to race out of hometown and get some sushi and then come back. And now it's way too late. Um, and I, I need to hit the gym still. So anyway, uh, this might be fun. I don't know what all comes from this. I, I love books being turned into movies um, because I don't sit and read books all that often. I listen to audiobooks books um, and chill and do work while I'm listening to the book. Um, so there are so many books out there that I would love to have <laughs> turned into movies. Anyway, that's far and away from uh, uh, the discussion today. So let's go on to the next article. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, the next article is over in the mobile channel. Steamboat, Steamboat Willie horror game devs swear they're not making neo-Nazi references. <laughs> A decade ago, Facebook's internal motto was move fast and break things. There is now an important wordy update to that motto as a holistic piece of advice move fast on exploiting Mickey Mouse's public domain status and don't maybe do some anti-Semitism along the way, maybe? 
So the article is over at Gizmodo. Steamboat, the title of this is um, Steamboat Willie Horror Game Devs Swear They're Not Making Neo-Nazi References. In a rush to capitalize on Mickey Mouse's public domain arrival, a Steamboat Willie-themed horror game faced scrutiny for alleged neo-Nazi dog whistles. James Whitbrook is the author. Again, it's over at gizmodo.com. Um, says, and they basically reiterate, reiterate that um, short snippet that uh, I read and uh, the little deck statement up here. And then it says, uh, such as was the case... Such was the case for the game now formerly known as Infestation 88, announced by Nightmare Forge Games on New Year's Day to coincide with Steamboat Willie's entry into the public domain and with it the earliest versions of Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Oh, I didn't know Minnie Mouse was part of that. I thought it was just Mickey. Interesting. This is the first time that I've read that Minnie Mouse is in it, but I'll be honest, I haven't been chasing this down all that much. Oh my gosh. Stop popping up. Um, it was the first uh, new works publicly unveiled to make use of the now publicly exploitable short film and immediately went viral, forever proving that when in doubt, public domain material will almost immediately become fair for the horror genre. This is what I said yesterday, that unfortunately, the only thing you can do is something... Uh, kind of bodacious, something um, extravagant, something just uh, that maybe those aren't the two right words that I'm looking for. Are they just outrageous? That's the only thing you can do. Provocative, almost dangerous in terms of uh, um, slander um, or libel, uh, depending on what it's context is you know voice or written um but how if you do anything positive with mickey and minnie mouse it's a good thing for disney um and so you can't do that you have to create something outlandish and you know borderline evil if you see it that way yeah you, know, you have to do something horror you have to do something antithetical to the desired perspective of wholesome that Disney is. Of course, a lot of people like to peel back the onion um, and go, well, Disney did this and Disney's messaging is like this. And the, sometimes the artwork looks like this. Um, uh, I don't necessarily buy into all of that, but um, of course, infestation origins um, is the name of this. Um, game. It says the multiplayer survival horror infestation sees players deal with sinister vermin infestations spearheaded by what is essentially a zombified version of Mickey Mouse as he appeared in Steamboat Willie, put alongside or but alongside, uh, sorry, but aside from being one of the most, the first projects uh, to make headlines after Mickey's public domain debut, attention uh, also led to increased scrutiny after it appeared that the game made references to a series of far-right gestures and illusions that were perceived as potentially anti-Semitic. Um, and, of course, the developers saying, no, 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 no. Um, so why does it actually contain this, right? On social media, several people pointed out that the premise of players having to gas out infestations and use the... Uh, 
rat imagery even beyond Mickey Mouse, paired with the use of 88 in the title, as well as the game being set in 1988, could allude to the white supremacist taking uh, talking points. It says should be talking points, but they say taking points about uh, Jewish people. The Southern Poverty Law Center describes 88 as the, in this anti-Semitic form as a reference to um, uh, H being the... Um, Eighth letter of the alphabet, so 88 would be HH, i.e. Heil Hitler. And then it just goes from there. So um, obviously the these kind of extrapolations aren't necessarily aligned with what the intent is. Uh, but if it quacks like a duck, right? It's probably a duck. Um, if they're so let's say that this is one data point even all of the game is just one data point look at the rest of the messaging the rest of the work product from the company and from the people that do this uh, particular uh, series of games or whatever they've put together and one data point is just that two is a line three is a pattern four is basically admission of guilt. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to really belabor that. Um, if, if true, then obviously um, it's not very, it's kind of the worst kind of people. So let's keep going. Um, actually, before I do that, let me throw this into the show notes. Dun, dun, dun. And we'll move on to the next article. It's over in the mobile channel, $35 uh, for insulin price cap goes into effect. Uh, the order, the uh, uh, article is over at thehill.com. Joseph Choi and Nathaniel Weixel um, are the authors of this article. And yeah, apparently um, the three major insulin manufacturers announced moves to slash insulin prices last year, but several of the price caps and savings were not scheduled to be implemented until January 1st. 2024. Eli Lilly was the first of the companies to announce its price cuts last year, uh, calling on other companies to do the same. So Danish company Novo Nordisk uh, followed soon after cutting prices of its four legacy products by 65 to 75% effective January 1st. In September, it launched the My Insulin RX or prescription program, um, which provides a 30-day supply of insulin for $35 to eligible patients. I think that it needs to be a lifetime of insulin for $35 per month. That would be great. Um, French drug maker uh, Sanofi announced in March it would cap at $35. I'm sure that it can be re-prescribed, renewed at $35, but I don't know. Um, they actually provide, Novo Nordisk does a lot of that kind of stuff. You basically sign up and um, they kind of uh, give you a, an insurance card that's built off of Novo Nordisk, not um, your own private insurance. And then it sets the price of your copay. Um, and I guess in this case, it would be $35 for eligible patients. As long as you have a prescription, I'm sure that's what it's going to be, 35 bucks. Um, but yeah, all of this is basically because um, insulin shot through the roof and people were um, either uh, dying or falling ill health, falling into ill health because they had to choose between 
you know, eating and getting their insulin. And obviously, um, you know, the, 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 you shouldn't have to make that kind of a choice, but when it comes to health, uh, or I should say, yeah, medical health and medical treatments, you have no bargaining power. You have to pay that price or you die. So that's what you do. You pay the price. Uh, let's keep on going though. We got two more articles and we'll be done for the day. Uh, God, I did it again. Um, before I go on too far, let's drop that link into the chat. Um, again, the next article here is over in the Warcrafter channel. Mickey Mouse has been in the public domain for under 48 hours and there's already a horror game, which we already talked about and two horror movies on the way after multiple changes to us law that kept it uh, copyrighted for nearly 100 years. 1928 Disney cartoon Steamboat Willie, which contains the first appearances of Mickey and Minnie Mouse is now in the public domain. And what do we do when a beloved children's character becomes available to use in new creative works? We make them into monsters. Three Mickey themed horror projects have already been announced. One game, two movies. So kind of like blood and honey with uh, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> uh, now we have this, uh, you know what? Let me get in front of this Bink. I'll throw that into the chat. There you go, folks. And there's the article. The article is actually housed over at PCGamer.com. Tyler Wild is the author. The deck statement says the Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse has finally escaped copyright protection. So here come the horror adaptations. Dun, dun, dun. Um, Infestation 88 is that uh, game. We've already talked about it, but the movies. Um, let's see here. Where are they? I don't know. The developer Nightmare Forge uh, game said that it's not true about the... I hadn't known about the association. We apologize for our ignorance. Um, that's what they were saying about the game. So Infestation looks typical co-op horror game that have become popular over the last few years. Phasmophobia is very popular. Lethal Company is one developer, came out of nowhere, and has taken the internet by storm. Um... Also announced this week was Mickey's Mousetrap, a movie that's being billed by his creators as the first ever live action Mickey Mouse comedy horror uh, feature film. Uh, sounds like it might be kind of like a saw based on that title, you know, Mickey Mousetrap, Mickey's Mousetrap. Um, and let's see. Let's see. Variety also reports that another unnamed horror comedy based on Steamboat Willie is also in production. So they don't go into the details about the other one, but they do talk about uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. That's an old one. That's from 2022. Uh, and old as anything over six months <laughs> when it comes to tech. So uh, I'll skip over that, but you can follow the link through hometown and uh, that will lead you to PC gamer and um, everything that, uh, everything that I skipped over, you can scan real quick and uh, read about. Uh, I kind of give you a quick rundown and I hope that I motivate you to go and check it out and then come back tomorrow or some other day, like uh, Saturday or Sunday when I uh, kick off two new shows, Reality Hacker, which is about um, AR, VR, XR, MR, artificial intelligence, uh, 
audio hacking, uh, video manipulation, all kinds of stuff, um, where you just won't know who to trust. That's the motto for that show. And then, uh, on Sunday, we're going to do the continuity report where we talk about, uh, movies and TV shows and, uh, probably it covers the articles that are aggregated over a, a week period. So from, um, Monday to Saturday, actually all the way up from Monday to Sunday, probably around 6 PM, um, news is aggregated. Uh, and I will sample from, uh, hometown.com, all of those news articles that are relevant for either reality hacker or, uh, the continuity report. And we will end up doing the, uh, daily show still hometown daily. Um, as the name implies every day, 8 PM, uh, Monday through Friday and 6 PM on Saturday and Sunday to give us room to put, um, those two new shows. And, um, who knows, I may be launching two more shows on Saturday and Sunday uh, for a total of three on Saturday and Sunday each day. Uh, but those are all once a week versus hometown daily, which is every day. You know, it's kind of like in the name, right? Anyway, let's keep on going. Our last article for tonight. It's probably the weirdest thing that I've spoken about in terms of kitchenware. Um, let us wear. Yeah. Is the surreal dinnerware trend that's poised for a comeback. You deserve dishware that looks like it dances when you leave the room. After all, you worked hard on the shrimp tree to relegate yourself to the world's uh, world of boring beige platters. You can't do that. And your morning coffee will taste way better in anything other than the team building retreat 11 mug from the company that fired you. I'm looking at you, Hasbro. Simply put, you deserve dishware that actually has something to say. In this case, the author says, I am a cup and I am also cruciferous. <laughs> the article is over at uh, vice.com. Mary Francis Frankie Knapp is the author. Uh, the deck statement says half kitsch novelty item, half surrealist treat. Cabbage ware is here for uh, here to make dinner less boring. And that's what it looks like, folks. It basically looks like leaves, <laughs> plants, cabbage, or probably other salad and, and other green related, um, uh, I guess, salad related mm, dinnerware. It's kind of weird. Like the cup is actually a bunch of leaf, cabbage leaves, it looks like, um, shaped so that you can drink from it. There's candle holders that are. Uh, cruciferous <laughs> and even plates that look like, um, leaves. Um, I swear I have actually, oh my gosh, that is some serious leafy goodness there. What is that? A soup bowl, like a, a, a big soup pot kind of a thing. Um, that's pretty interesting. There's little soup bowls. I think, I don't know what the heck that is. Those are really big. They have to be um, like big pots, big bowls. Um, and then there's, uh, teacups and, and mugs and, uh, plates of all sizes. Pretty fascinating. So I, the title that 
I gave this segment is uh, let us consume mass quantities. If you don't know about, whoa, 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 what just happened? I need to stop whatever's going on here. Oh no. I don't know what my browser is doing at the moment, but let me throw this into the uh, chat just in case. Yeah, the server just, I don't know what happened. Anyway, um, so sorry about the verdant jump scare. That's all that green there. But there's no better way to introduce you to lettuceware or cabbageware, which has been a symbol of culinary clout for hundreds of years. I remember in my youth, um, I have handled some of that type of dinnerware right there. Um, it was really thick and heavy, um, probably so that you could get that level of fidelity and detail, right? But mm, 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 I don't think that I could take it serious for a moment. <clears throat> um, it wouldn't be in my house, I'd say. It first originated in Europe during the Rococo era. Uh, when there was no such thing as Substack or TikTok, and so people had to make intricate Trump loyal, um, which is basically hyper-realistic kind of, or realistic-looking um, optical illusion um, paintings. So it's kind of interesting. Um, where Ometown is, there are some buildings that actually have Trump Lowell, um, or Lowell, I think it's pronounced Lowell. Yeah, or Loe. Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, like a person is there uh, leaning in a window or there are birds, um, but it's actually just a painting. Uh, but when you drive by or walk by, you're like, oh, it looks real because it's life size. It's to the, the real size. Um, yeah, to pull focus is what it says. Um, it was believed by Victorians who love this novelty factor, but it appeal endured. Jackie Onassis was a big fan of the style and collected designer Dodie Thayer's mid-century modern lettuce where, um, and, uh, the article kind of goes on about this. I mean, look at it. Do you think that you want that in your house? I don't know. So it says, start with teacups and non-boring mugs, not ready for the full lettuceware set commitment. Reach for the Dodie Thayer's vine ripe cups and saucers at Tory Birch or some earthy cabbage ware from uh, Bordalo Pinero, a Portuguese design studio that's been making vegetation and cabbage inspired pieces since nine, uh, since the 19th century. Um, they always, some many of the articles that Vice puts out always has, or they sometimes have links to the article or to the items themselves. A set of four mugs for 180 bucks. So, how about a floral teapot for only $33 and 36 cents at uh, Wayfair? <sighs> and I suspect that in Wayfair, uh, you know, style, this thing is probably a thimble. It says it's a teapot, but it's going to be like that big. I don't know how big it really is, but man, uh, ordered a couch from uh, Wayfair once. And uh, it measures adult size, right? Like real human size, but compared to the uh, couch that I bought 
after buying the Wayfair one, it looked like it should be in a kid's room. Um, wasn't kid price, but hey, whatever. Candlestick holders, you can flaunt your goose is what it says, or a tofurkey or whatever, and centerpiece plate. That's a cabbage ware plate, 95 bucks on eBay, 75 bucks for an oval one on William Sonoma. I don't know. Are y'all into this kind of a thing? <coughs> Maybe they have that big bowl one. I didn't see that up here yet. See, is it down here? No, there's that big bull one, a cabbage tureen. Man, this looks like something that some uh, witch would be stirring, you know, like a, in a swamp somewhere shaped from the greenery in the swamp. Hmm. Baldur's Gate 3 stuff. All right. Well, that's it, folks. Let's get back into the party bus. Drive all the way back down Main Street. We're back at the uh, Main Street by the welcome sign. I would push this, but it's going to refresh. And um, I always get in trouble because um, I have come to find out that anything political uh, will uh, prevent my um, <laughs> my posts on YouTube and promotions uh, out there in the real world uh, from being delivered um, because there is a policy against um, current political parties being displayed, even by happenstance. Um, I've been uh, reprimanded several times now. So at any rate, I'm not going to do this. I think I've scrubbed it enough where uh, I won't get in trouble. Uh, but that's it for today. I'm just going to call it a night and thank you all for coming and hanging out. I know it's a, sh uh, a short show, um, but I've got a meeting that I need to go to after I um, stop streaming tonight. So uh, I'm going to call it. Thank you very much. I'm Marwat. That's hometown.com. And I'll see you tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll do another 10 articles. Hope to see you there. Be sure to throw your two cents into uh, the chat and uh, let me hear your opinion on the news. You can go over to hometown.com and you can even vote. Um, there's two different links here. Um, article voting here and uh, the daily article. This one has all of the votes uh, since May of last year. And this has the current daily vote, which is today's articles. Um, hey, Dunkstar, how are you? Good to see you here. Um, sorry, it's such a short show. I'd love to hang out, but I really do need to get out of here. Um, stay out of trouble, and I will see you tonight as well. Um, if you are listening to this either uh, later tonight or tomorrow when I post it over on YouTube and to the podcast, be sure to go over to twitch.tv slash slash Dunkstar, D-U-N-C-S-T-A-R. Great community, great guy, great co-host, Timeless underscore E-X-E. Um, you cannot go wrong. Um, always a great time over there. Never a dull moment. I, I really don't know how you do it, um, but see you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.